Before the show starts, several of our listeners have been curious about the work I do at OnSite. So I wanted to give you a quick glimpse into what I get to be a part of. OnSite's an emotional health retreat center on a beautiful 250-acre ranch just outside of Nashville. We've got some of the best minds in the therapeutic space that come and create a safe space, honestly, for people just to reconnect to who they are and who they're becoming. And if you want to learn more, you can visit OnSiteWorkshops.com or follow us on Instagram and socials at, at @OnSiteWorkshops. The work y'all are doing there is so important, and I feel so grateful that I've gotten to experience it firsthand. I really hope everyone gets to experience this sort of healing because we're all so deserving of it. Thanks, my friend. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the show. You are not born with fear. You are not born with hate. Those are things you pick up on on your journey, mostly from an outside source, and I think... um, if you can try, do everything you can to keep, keep that hate and fear of who you are out, and it's hard. I still struggle with it. I, you know, insecurities and, and all of those things and, and thinking, you know, oh, my God, my laugh is so loud. And, oh, my God, I'm so ridiculous. And I'm so extra. And I'm just, just all of those things. You deal with all of those things. But mm-hmm. I think I am doing what I'm doing and I am who I am because I, I, I refuse to change that part of me. Hey guys, I'm Miles. And I'm Ruthie. And welcome to the Unspoken Podcast, where we believe that saying the unsaid may be the hardest, but one of the most important things we can ever do. Yes. Our authentic self is the best gift that we have to offer this world, but sadly, we live in this culture that tells us that we should hide it. So we would love for you to join us and listen along, and we hope that you might find connection and healing in the courage that no important words go unspoken. Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone, take off your mask. It's nice to me. Today on the podcast, we welcome actress and singer Emmy Raver Lampman. Emmy is currently known for starring in the popular Netflix series The Umbrella Academy, opposite Ellen Page and Tom Hopper. She has also made appearances in hit series A Million Little Things as well as Odd Mom Out. Emmy has acted in live theater, film, and television, making her big break starring as Angelica Schuyler in the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical Hamilton. Emmy will soon star in an independent feature Wednesdays opposite Jay Lee and Seth Green. This was such a fun conversation getting to know Emmy, and honestly, Hamilton is just one of the most important messages in the world today. And so to learn from this beautiful soul that was a part of such a phenomenon was just such an honor. So we're so thrilled to share Emmy with you today. so much. Oh I gosh. know that you are so busy. You just got home. You've been doing a whole press tour. Life is insane. Bananas. So we're so grateful that you took this time of to course. do this with us. Absolutely. I mean, What's the press run been like for you? Oh, it's been insane. I and also unlike anything I've ever um I've ever done before cuz this is my my first like step into TV and film cuz yeah. I was doing, you know, theater in New York and Broadway for, you know, almost a full decade before wow. I came out to LA, um, on the road in New York in other cities. And, um, and there isn't a lot of press for theater. Right. Um, if so, it's like one day kind of maybe, but like when you're releasing a new show or a new movie into the ether, it's like a crazy, it's almost like a new like tool you have to learn mm. and like a muscle that you have to kind of figure out how to work. Um, cause you know, the, We'll do like a press junket, which they like, you know, buy out six floors of a hotel and you like sit down in the chair with some of your cast or by yourself. And there's like a backdrop of some scene from the show with like Netflix and the Umbrella Academy. And then there's lights, there's microphones, you're in fancy clothes, your makeup's done, your hair's done. And then like 
um, journalists will just like cycle through the room. So like some days you do like 78 interviews in like five hours. It's what? crazy. It's insane. Oh, And that's just like on camera stuff. And then you do like round table interviews where it's like you and a castmate sit at a table with like six journalists and they all kind of like ask you questions. It's like, it's like speed dating. It's the craziest. Holy. It's the, and you know, so then they sent us to Brazil. They sent us to London, Toronto, everywhere. They sent us a couple of the castmates to Singapore, Poland. Like they were sending oh. us everywhere. Yeah. It was wow. nuts. Is I've it, never done anything like it. <laughs> I'm tired for you. <laughs> That's exhausting. I know. And it's the funny thing is it's kind of, it's kind of like a brain workout because you know, unfortunately there you get cycled through the same questions, yeah. you, you know, cause yeah. It's a superhero show. It's there. That meat market is very saturated. And so everyone kind of wants to know why this one's different. And, you know, if, if you had a real superpower, what would it be? So, you know, but then you kind of start to figure out ways to make it fun. And, you know, some journalists will come in with games and those are really fun. I love a game. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> love okay. a game. I'm a gamer too. Was it uh, not the traditional sense? I've never sat in front of a screen and played, but I love games. Like oh, yeah. Games, community games. Oh, yeah. One that I really enjoyed when we, we were just in Toronto, that was kind of our last stop on the press tour, which was nice because we shot the show in Toronto. So it was almost like bringing it home. We did like a full day of press and then we did a screening for like the cast and crew that helped us out there, which yeah. they were amazing. So it was really nice to celebrate with them. But um, one journalist came in and had, um, it was me, Tom Hopper and Ellen Page doing the interviews together. And he had like a hat and had all of our names in the hat. And we, he would ask the question and then we'd have to draw a name out of the hat and answer the question as if we were the other person. Oh, that's incredible. Because he was like, I know by now you guys have been asked this, the same question over a million times. Right. And you have also listened to each other answer these questions a that million times. That is brilliant. <laughs> I love that so much. It was we're so good. So he yes. was like, he was like, I want <gasps> you to, so here's the question, answer it. It as if you were Ellen. Okay. And I was like, I'm here for this game. Yes. That is it was so, so good. Yeah, it was so good. Then I felt like his 15 minutes flew by. Totally. Because then I was like, oh, we're done? I've just never, yeah. And I, you know, I was lucky enough that it's such an ensemble show that I yeah. was always paired with at least one other person. But it's like, you know, I don't know what I would do if it was just me. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Going to all of these countries and having to do like days and days of press by myself, oh my I think gosh. I would like turn blue in the face. So luckily. Is it stretch your personality? Are you exhausted? Or do you feel like you're naturally wired? Or is there any part of your life that conditioned you to have a public profession? The interesting thing is when I was a kid, we had this like crazy wooden coffee table in our living room. And like from an early, early age, when my parents would have friends over for dinner or parties or whatever, I was always standing on top of... Performing. Yes. I was... And no one asked. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever asked me. And so, you know, from like one and a half on, I was just always performing on some ridiculous level. Wow. And so I think my parents instantly were like, ooh, that is a lot of energy that should not be in this house. We are going to put that elsewhere and figure out what it is that she wants to do. So it was like sports for a really long time, and then it was theater. And um, I don't know, it, it always kind of started with singing for me because my, my dad plays a lot of instruments, and he's a really mm. musical guy. And so I think I just... It, music was always in the house and they have like an amazing record collection. So I just grew up w listening to a lot of music. And so it started with music. And so th going to theater, I think was kind of the easiest, like, Oh, well that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then I just think, you know, then I was doing it in middle school, doing community theater. And then I went to a performing arts high school. Um, and then, you know, I blinked and I was like taking the SATs and looking at colleges. And then it was like, I guess I'll do this in school at, you know, in wherever it is I want to go to college because it just kind of trying to do anything else didn't really make sense mm. to me. Like wanting to go to med school or, or, you know, any of that. I just was like, no, I think I like still need to be on stage. So I think it just, yeah, I don't know. I was never, a f I never had a fear of public speaking or, yeah. or, um, yeah. So it, it, after doing one of these 78 interview days, mm -hmm. it kind of fills you up. The little girl and you just excited or, um, or not that part of the job. I think that part of it is, I think talking about the show and getting people excited about a thing that the cast and I have 
put so many mm-hmm. like endless tireless hours into and the yeah. crew and the writers and our showrunner and I think talking about the show and getting people excited that gets me I love that part of it um but I don't, I don't know if like yeah I don't know if there's an energy that I get specifically being in front of a camera talking about a th- a, the thing. I think I'm, I'm just excited for it to exist on its own and like speak for itself mm. and like yeah. educate people on it, I guess, if yeah. that makes sense. Well, take us to the, back to that little girl you were saying. You were, <laughs> oh so my we, God. Know, we know now she's a performer. Like she wasn't, oh, that's man. exciting. What else? <laughs> Introduce us to her. Oh man. Um, well, I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia um, and my Mom is a doctor of special education. She's like wow. one of the smartest women I know. She's written over 15 textbooks. Like people wow. like study her theories. Like she is wow. the best in her field. It's really, really insane. Um, and my dad kind of was a jack of all trades. He was a journalist for a really long time for our local newspaper. He was a travel journalist. He was a photographer. He's an author. He's got, you know, he's, wow. he has his own books. Um, and so I, I kind of grew up in a very brain heavy <laughs> household, which is so funny because then I was just running around wanting to sing and dance and parents are like, what? <laughs> but um, I actually, I was adopted um, and I was adopted when I was three months old mm-hmm. and I have an open adoption. Um, so I have a relationship with my birth mom, which is like really, really awesome. Wow. Yeah. She's, she's, I mean, at this point she feels like a really close, like older sister because she mm-hmm. was only 17 when she had me. Knowing about her, and I've never not known that I was adopted, and she was definitely a part of my life, and I would get birthday presents from her and Christmas presents from her, and I always knew about her, but I didn't meet her until I was 18. Yeah, so I think my parents were kind of like, this doesn't really come from us, because my parents are so, they love school, and they love, you know, they're just really, 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 really smart, smart people and love learning, you know, new new things. And my dad is like such a math brain. And I just was like, ew, (laughs) (laughs) that does not fit for me. I was like, what the hell are these words? Yeah. But you know, not going, not getting good grades was not an option. Not going to college wasn't an option, but you know, I, I was here for all of it. (laughs) That's so cool that they, that they were open with you about that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm talking about an open adoption, but just adoption in general can be challenging for parents and kids to know how to navigate. Absolutely. That they were saying all along saying, yeah, I bet this came from your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, cause my, my mother couldn't have children. And so Mm -hmm. I think the, the way she saw it was my birth mom gave them the best gift in the world. Mm -hmm. So why would she ever try to, to, you know, shut her out and make her feel like she wasn't a part of that. And you know, but I also think they, you know, every adoption story is different and every, the way every family wants to go about yeah. it is different. And, right. but I think the thing that felt like it was going to work the best for them was, was to have some sort of communication and not totally close the door on and kind of, um, be as open as possible with her. And, but then, you know, they also had me not meeting her till I was 18 was like part of, part of the agreement. And she never like had our address. So she, but that was like her ask, you know, she was like, I don't, I don't trust myself to know where you guys Mm -hmm. live because I might get curious, you know? So, um, they put a lot of like groundwork down to kind of make it the healthiest situation as possible for me, you know, growing up. And so I wasn't ever confused as to who my parents were, Yeah, but yeah, it's, what she, was it? I mean, meeting your biological mom yeah, at 18 yeah. years old. Take oh, us yeah. there. Oh, it was the, the thing is, so I had seen so many pictures of her and, and oh, you know, okay. like all through. The, so I knew what she looked Do like. Do you look I, alike? Um, we have really similar like facial structures, but she's, she's a shorty. <laughs> so I definitely think I, I got my, my height from my birth dad. Um, but we're very similar in personality, which, um, I think, I, I think I thought I was going to see so much more of myself in her face, mm. but it was really like in talking to her and getting to know her. I was like, Oh, right. That's, that is exactly where I get that, which is so crazy. Cause like nature over nurture is like, totally. it's like, it could go either way, but like there are, I don't know, there are some like deep rooted yeah. like things of my Just personality that, yeah, it's so interesting. But we, you know, we were, <laughs> I was 18 and it was like right before I was getting ready to graduate. We met up at the mall, <laughs> but I remember I was on the second level and she, I was like, had parked my car on the second level. And so I was like walking down to get the escalator to go down. And she was like kind of standing at the bottom of the escalator. Were you, were you nervous? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think I was nervous. 
but it wasn't like a bad nervous. I think it was just like, yeah. sure. Like what? I don't, I don't like, how do you even describe that scenario? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it's just like meeting the person that is like, you yeah. are this person's like flesh and blood, wow. but like you don't know them at all, but not in a bad way. Yeah. But I think, you know, you know, the things that are important to know, but like knowing them on a personal level, you don't. So I just was excited to get to know her mm. and like hear about her life and also hear her side of like the whole, yeah. what she's been doing for the past 18 years. So you, you know didn't what I mean? know, like she would send you birthday cards and things, but you didn't really know about what was happening in her life. No. Oh. Wow. No. I mean, I knew, you know, she's a police officer. I knew she had started working in the D.A.R.E. program and working with kids and also like funnily enough working with um, like the Special Olympics in like her town. And so she started getting really into special education and um, children with needs. And so that was like a funny parallel to her and my mom. So yeah. I think, I mean, but her and my mom were really close. Like they mm. talked a lot. Like they would every couple of years would meet up and like, you know, so separately of me, That's they incredible. had a relationship. Yeah. I love your adopted mom. So yeah. that, is, <laughs> that is so beautiful. Yeah, it's and crazy. so special. But I think it, all roots, she was like, I'm not, you gave me a thing that I couldn't, mm. I could have never had without you. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to keep, like, I'm not going to shut you out of this yeah. experience because I wouldn't be here without you. Mm. So I like started going down the escalator and she turned around and we like locked eyes and like just tears started like falling out of my face. Oh, <laughs> oh But it wasn't even like, I just was, beautiful. I knew it. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then we just like hugged and cried for like half an hour. I think everyone in the mall was like, what is happening to those two girls? <laughs> but, um, and then we went and ate lunch and like, it was like a five hour hang and wow. yeah. And she's like been like presently in my life ever since I now have, I have a half sister wow. who just turned 10. She's what 20 years like? younger than me. She, it's crazy. Well, cause I, you know, growing up an only child, you're right. like, I just want a sibling. That's all I want. I'm always playing by myself. <laughs> And then, you know, I moved to college and then I found out had just gotten married and, and, and found out that she was pregnant and was going to have a half, which is so crazy because we have similar faces, which is so funny. You and your half sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's just like beautiful porcelain skin, strawberry blonde, like green eyes, but like our faces are identical. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And she's standing on top of, uh -huh. standing on top of coffee tables. She really? She's wow. in ballet class. She Whoa. is like, I actually just saw her. I hadn't seen her for like two years and I just went home to Virginia for Christmas this past Christmas. And, um, she just turned 10 or she was about to turn 10. And, um, she's just like the life of the party, just like cracking jokes and like loves to make oh. people laugh. And she's, she's, I bet she's in love with you. I cannot imagine how obsessed she, I, I mean, could you imagine? Like, I cannot imagine having you as my, I'm just so excited for her to like be old enough to come like visit and for yes. us to, you know what I'm saying? Like I've Ugh. been, I've been so much older than her for so long that it's like, I just can't wait for us to like yes. be gal pals. Like yes. when she can come to LA and visit and you know, right. we can go to New York and see shows together uh, and yeah, yeah. which is soon. She's special. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So. That's how I am. I have nine nieces and nephews. So uh, I have two older brothers. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. The older girl, like I am so madly in love with them and we like for each of their 16th birthday, they come and stay with me. Oh yeah. And it's just the most the best. special, precious, mm -hmm. amazing. I am so, and to have, you know, they're a part of my DNA. One of them, she's blonde and has more olive skin, but she looks just like me. Mm -hmm. And it, it's crazy. Like yeah. she looks so much like me. And then the second one has my exact personality <laughs> it, and she's going to be taller than me. No it's way. It's the wildest. And I'm like, I mean, I don't have children, but yeah, I had yeah, these yeah. girls that like, it's, cr I met a girl a few weeks ago, I was getting neurofeedback and she goes, are you a Lindsay? Are your nieces at Camp DeSoto? She had worked at a camp five years before and no. she was like, they look just like you. No way. Five years before. That's She was insane. like, they're Lindsay girls. Like that I know that's your family. Wow. Is that not the craziest? Jeans are crazy. And you never know. You, that's also such a joy. It's like you never, I mean, you know, you you have. His son is his you, clone. Yeah. It's like you never know where, like what is going to rise to the surface. Like yeah. you never know like who they're going to look more like yeah. or like who's like genes from like six generations back where the red hair is going to come from or like, yeah. you know, my, or like where the height's going to come from. Or it's so funny. It's, wow. it's just like such a, it's such a gift. It's such a surprise. Yes. Because my dad was so, you know, freelanced a lot and, and worked from um, the home a lot. I think like he was more so the stay at home parent. Yeah. And so I 
grew up spending so much time with my dad and, and, you know, he was my piano teacher. It didn't stick, um, for (laughs) (laughs) so long. He's like, remember I would never take, like, he, he was like, okay, you sing. Eventually it'll be important that you like play an instrument. And I just like, wasn't having it. Now I'm so mad. Now I'm so mad because I don't play anything. It's like, oh, he knew, (laughs) but I can never tell him that. (laughs) You were right, dad, if you're listening, you were right. (laughs) So he, you know, tried with the guitar, he tried with the piano. He always tried to teach me. And I think at some point he was like, okay, I think the problem is that I'm teaching you. Like you need a piano teacher. And so he took on this role of Mr. L. And so he would like leave the house, stop, drive around the block, pull up to the house, knock on the door and then, like, would not oh, drop oh, the act of being it. Mr. L to try to get me to play the piano. Oh, Greg. Greg my God. Awesome. He is my hero. So every time I'd be like, Dad, stop. This is so stupid. He'd be like, um, I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> so, okay, let's take it from the top stop. of the scales. Stop. And I'd be like, Dad, act, stop it. Really, like, stop. How stop. old were you? Oh, like, maybe... 10, between like 10 and 12. Like I just was not having it. (laughs) That is absolutely incredible. It was the only chunk of time that he actually got me to learn anything on the piano was when he just like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't drop it. He was so method. (laughs) That's where you probably got some of those acting chops watching Mr. L oh take on this and then role. He would, and then he would like leave, drive back around uh-uh. the block and then pull into the garage I'm with and him. be like, Hey, how was your piano no. lessons? And I'd be like, no. you were there. You were there. Don't <laughs> pretend like you weren't just here. <laughs> I just I fell am, in love with your I dad. Do I love that. So, that's brilliant. Oh my God. And Truly. Even, even to this day, he's like, remember Mr. L? Stop. I'm like, dad, stop. Actually stop. <laughs> Oh. That is incredible. Such a nut. He's Holy such a nut. Hell, that is yeah. absolutely amazing. And to not break. <clears throat> oh, he wouldn't. Wouldn't even like. I think I like cried at one point. I just just out of frustration of yeah. being like just. Start. <laughs> oh, such what a nut. Uh, thanks for sharing all that. Oh, of course. I think uh, we've had some other folks that we've talked to that and in my line of work. I see a lot of people that come through adoption mm-hmm. and it doesn't go so well. Yeah. Meaning and yeah. the adopted parents seemed like they were so intentional. Yeah. Love you so well. Yeah. So connected that you so your yeah. story of in in me as a parent who's considering adoption mm-hmm. um, at some yeah. point to hear uh, how well it can go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is, and you you know you never it also is a, is a situation where my she was given portfolios of of couples looking for mm-hmm. you know a child. And because, you know, my parents traveled a lot, they met in California and they did the Peace Corps together and, and they like traveled the world. And I think that was like a huge draw for her. And so mm. she, she, you know, she picked my parents, but yeah. you know, that's not always the case and right. that's not, and you know, the mother or the parents wanting to be involved is it's like, so you never, the biggest concern and the biggest one is, is a, a healthy, happy baby. Mm. And, and then, you know, to continue that later in hopes that, it is a a good adoption scenario is is of course ideal but you, it's you know there are there are so many babies out there that need loving mm-hmm. families and yes. you, you never like what where they are coming from isn't isn't always it can be anything it could truly yeah. be anything right. yeah absolutely we both have a lot of friends that are in your line of work mm-hmm. either uh, creatives or artists singers yeah. performers actors and I love, I've always been drawn to creatives, um, <laughs> married one, and just, I just, I've always loved them, a lot of friends. Uh, they all describe something similar to me, not all, but most, that uh, similar to you, they grew up and uh, had kind of a performer mm-hmm. gene in them, were always, <laughs> and hopefully they got parents who affirmed that yeah, and encouraged yeah. and was like, I love what you're doing. Yeah. Part. Not, not always, but mm-hmm. it, that was something they had to come uh, overcome. But then when it turned into like a playful thing to where yeah. it was like, okay, now the art has to actually be distributed and sell and yeah, turn into yeah, a profession, yeah. it becomes a struggle at some age. Oh yeah. Have, did you experience either young, current, mm-hmm. now, uh, a struggle? with? Yeah. I think it's so funny because my parents always only ever wanted me to be happy, whatever it was that I was doing. But I think being an artist, being an actor, I think it was a thing so far removed from anything that my parents have ever done in their lives. So I think, I think they just were kind of the, 
inconsistency, but most and foremost was the rejection mm. related to it was like, that was really hard. I think for, especially my mom to stomach, just knowing like you are going to lead a life and you're heading into a career that is like so filled with no, yeah. that like, how are you going to sustain any sort of like life when, you know, it's also so unknown. It's not like yeah. you do this, this, and this, and then obviously you end up here yeah. where it is in a lot of fields of, of work. And so I think um, when I went to college for it, I think they were just happy that I was going to school. I think they were like, great, go to school, go to New York. If this is still a thing, like, I think it was like a maybe she'll grow out of it, but like, who knows? But they were never not supportive. I yeah. think they just were kind of always took the back seat to just be like, she'll find whatever it is that she wants to do that will hopefully make her happy first and enough to support herself and, and make a living. Um, yeah. cause you know, I was always a very independent kid. So, you know, my mom working in a university, I could have gone to any university in Virginia and for, you know, a really low tuition, if yeah. not full scholarship. And I was like, Nope, going to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Hey y'all, we want to take a quick break from the conversation to tell you about the sponsor of this week's episode of the Unspoken Podcast, our friends at Nasolo. Yes, Nasolo is a sustainable brand committed to delivering handcrafted, ethically made shoes and accessories designed with comfort and functionality at the core without their traditional retail markup. I love how intentional this brand is. They are working to help combat climate change, and for every pair of Nasolo shoes sold, a contribution is made to help protect forests in the Amazon rainforest. Nasolo produces most of their designs in their own sustainable factory in Peru, and to offset their factory carbon emissions, they've partnered with the nonprofit Ecosphere to implement an insetting program. The program focuses on keeping threatened Amazon forests alive and protected while also creating sustainable livelihoods for its indigenous communities. Their work is so cool and not a lot of social impact companies have the results that they do. That's why I'm so impressed with them and I love their shoes, by the way. But in 2018 alone, the solo customers helped save more than 54,000 trees from being uprooted from the Peruvian Amazon. That's the size of like 62 baseball fields. Holy hell. <laughs> it's unreal. And one of the things I love about their branding is that the producers receive at a minimum beyond fair trade wages, health care, financial literacy trainings, and a safe working environment. We're so grateful to be partnering up with Nasolo in this way. We love what they're about and have been floored by their support of the Unspoken. And Miles and I are both huge fans and wear their shoes all the time. I brought you to the store for the first time yes, years did. ago when we first became friends. I've been a fan ever since. So it's so fun to partner with these guys and just be a part of the impact that they're making. So Nasolo is partnering with us this season to offer Unspoken Podcast listeners 25% off their first purchase. So go to nasolo.com and enter code UNSPOKEN at checkout to get 25% off your order of men's and women's ethically made shoes and accessories. That's N-I-S-O-L-O dot com and use Unspoken for 25% off your first purchase. All right, you guys, back to the conversation. At one point, I remember telling my mom that I was like really excited to be like a struggling artist mm. and not in the sense of like, like I can't wait to not have any money, but I think I, I can't wait to like, to really have to like deep dive for my craft and mm. to not want to do anything but that. Like, sure, like, of course you have to have a survival job. You have to wait tables, you have to nanny. I did both of those things for a very, very, very long time in New York, but I think I was just excited to like feel that like, angsty, like, I will do whatever I have to do because this is what's so important to me, mm -hmm. even though I don't have two pennies to rub together. Yeah. And again, she was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are these words? <laughs> Truly. And, you know, I, I have been so really, really lucky. And, and I think, sure, there have definitely been lulls in my career as an actor, mm -hmm. but I think because 
because I was so driven as a kid and because I was so independent. And, you know, I got my first job when I was 13 working in a bagel store. Like I, I have never not had a job mm-hmm. regardless of if it's in my field. So I never, you know, I, I never got to that point where I was, you know, having to ask my parents for money, but it wasn't because I didn't have any money. I just was like, okay, cool. I got to get, I got to wait tables. I got a nanny. I got a, I was like cleaning my friend's like Airbnb for a while. Like I just have always done what I needed to do to pay the necessary things so that I could still be over here trying to be an artist regardless if that was paying me or not. Mm -hmm. I think that, so I think, sure, I've had, you know, plenty of times where I've just been like, will I ever act again? TBD. (laughs) But I think it it was never that as well as I might have to leave New York because I can't afford an apartment because I, even now, like, you know, it's like, yes, I have this amazing TV show that I'm so proud of and I'm, I'm doing a thing that's so exciting and there's a, like, you know, hopefully a lot of eyes on it and all of that stuff. But if I ever get to a point where it's like money's not coming in, I will for sure go back to bartending. I think that's just like a thing that is like in me that it's like, I will do whatever I need to do to pay to keep the lights on because at the end of the day, I need that in order to be over here making art and feeling mm-hmm. fulfilled as an artist. Yeah. So it's like I've always seemingly found the balance, if that made any sense. Totally. That's so good. I I've never heard that. it called a survival job either. Oh, yeah. Those are so, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so important. Mm-hmm. You said so that I can continue to be fulfilled as an artist. What else fulfills you? Oh, man. I really love <laughs> – this is like I, – I love to travel. Traveling is like – I get antsy when I don't travel. And I also think this is, I traveled a lot growing up because my, my dad was a travel journalist and they did the Peace Corps together and, and they I've traveled my whole life. I've been to like over 50 countries and I lived wow. in the Ukraine, I lived in India, yeah. I lived in the Czech wow. Republic. Like I've lived in, you know, all over the world. And so I think from a really young age, like getting on a plane and going very, very far away and like fully submerging myself in like a different culture and a different way of life in a different place has like been something that like I need. And so mm-hmm. when I go a long time without traveling, I start getting itchy. Like I just need to, I need to get out. I need to get out. So, um, traveling is for sure a thing that fills me completely in, in, in the same way that I think, you know, being an actor does, I think, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, opening your eyes to just a different world and a different culture and a different different people it's just something different cuisine oh the food <laughs> yes. mostly the food mostly um, the food. always the food uh so yeah I just think um that that's like my my second big fi- but then I'm like I love I'm like a big crafty person I love crafts I love that I drive all like my what? friends crazy with my I so right now it's macrame oh god don't get me started <laughs> Amazing, but it's like anywhere from like knitting to macrame to oh gosh, um, truly anything. I had a jewelry line on Etsy for a while, and so many things. <laughs> that is amazing. But I, I, I have a hard time sitting still. So even you know, I like love the concept of Netflix and chill, but like my hands have to keep moving. Yeah. So it's like if I'm knitting or if I'm like making jewelry, like I, I think I, I have a hard time sitting still. So crafts, doing a craft, making a thing is kind of how I level it out a little bit. (laughs) I want to hear a little bit about, I can't really wrap my head around it at all, but like the phenomenon that has been Hamilton. Oh yeah. And what that's been like as a woman of color, getting to be a part of something so important and and so relative to our culture today. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Like seeing that. And of course we're watching something from, you know, forever ago, but then you're like, it's so wild how this is truly exactly the voice that we need to hear at this moment today. Yeah. In these times, I would love to hear, I mean, I can't imagine being on that ride. Oh, it was, it was the craziest. None of us had any idea any idea you that it have. was and I think we were all just sitting over there hoping that people would come to yeah. the show do you know what I'm saying wow. it's like on I remember when I auditioned and my agent was like okay Lin-Manuel Miranda sorry Lin-Manuel Miranda wowie tongue twister <laughs> Lin um he he's written a new musical it's about Alexander Hamilton it's completely sung through and there's like rap involved 
Hmm. <laughs> Como say, huh? <laughs> One more time. And I was like, ah. Uh. And I'd like just come back from, I was on tour with Wicked for like a year and a half. So I'd like just come back from that. And I was like, that sounds crazy. I don't know if anyone's going to go. <laughs> um, and I was like really hesitant to audition because I just, I just didn't, you know, I had seen In the Heights, but like I, I just was like, I don't oh man, I, that just sounds crazy. But I was like, okay, sure. Like, why not? That could be insane. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to a couple months and it's just, we're opening this thing on Broadway that wow. before we'd even op- started rehearsals on Broadway had already sold $17 million in advance ticket sales. What? What? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I did not know that. $17 what? million dollars in advance ticket sales. Like the bot, like the bot, like it was. How do you we, explain that? Yeah, help us. I wasn't a part of it when it was at the public. So it was at the public theater for three months. That was kind of like the out of town, in town tryout of it. And I think it just popped off so fast there. Like the Clintons went, Madonna went, Michelle Obama went. And I think it, and you couldn't get a ticket because it also was in a theater that had 350 seats. So it just like, the tickets went on sale and it was sold out because I think one, it was Lynn. And because of his success within the Heights, I think everyone, all of his fans of that were just so excited to see him in this. But then I think it just kind of became this word of mouth. And then like celebrities that like, you know, Michelle Obama, while she is still sitting, like her husband is still sitting in the White House, like coming to New York to see an off-Broadway show is crazy. Do you know? So I think it just, the word of mouth really started to fly. Because I remember being out on tour and hearing about it and and people being like, Lynn wrote this new show that's like at the public and like people are freaking out about it. There's no video. There is no soundtrack. There was no... So it was just this very, like, secretive thing that had happened for three months. And, like, if you saw it, you saw it. And if you didn't, you missed out. And so I think when it was transferring to Broadway, I think that that little, like, secret kind of, you know, je ne sais quoi was, like, re- people just had to know. Yeah. And so I think that it just snowballed into this crazy... Crazy thing. And then, you know, we recorded the album and then that got nominated for Grammy and then it won all these Grammys and then it just, you know, and then like Barack came and then it just, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce came. It just like turned into this crazy, it was crazy. It was the craziest nine months of my entire life because also like none of us, I think I'm still dealing with it. (laughs) Yeah. It's been, you know, over three years and I think I'm still kind of like, what? happened I think it just you were we were constantly in this state of like history was made and you were a part of it yeah but I don't but like from the inside it was like so not that it just was like we're telling this awesome story yeah where like race doesn't matter and and we're kind of like breaking all the the confines of like typical musical theater Mm -hmm. and we're we're telling the story with our bodies with our voices with our you know with every part of us and we were like this really close-knit family. And then there was this whole, you know, for lack of a better term, hurricane like happening outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, you know, every day we focused in and did the work for three and a half hours every day. And then what was happening outside was happening outside. Mm-hmm. And I think we were all trying so hard not to get wrapped up in it because mm-hmm. it just, I mean, there would be like 500 people at the stage door every night. Jesus. It would be, it would take you just as long to sign all those autographs as it took you to do the first act of the show. Like it, it just became like this, like they would have to shut down 46th street after the show because there just would be wow. too many people like to, it would take over the sidewalk on the other side of the street. That is crazy yeah so it just it was nuts it was so nuts and I think the funny part is so Leslie Odom Jr. like originated Burr and then when I went to do it in Chicago Joshua Henry was doing Burr and then when I did the the tour in LA Josh was also doing Burr then and I remember the first time one of his understudies went on this kid Ryan he went on and for Burr and I was like oh right Burr was white (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like it was do you know what I'm saying like, wait this feels so yeah, odd it's just like in my mind right Aaron Burr is a black man right do you know what I mean and yeah. it just was so and suddenly the whole story was like so different being told yeah. by this like young unbelievably talented white guy I was just was wow. like oh right how quickly I have forgotten that like it just, the story is so good regardless of like yeah. the color of your skin and like these stories are so 
unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you, that was like such a funny realization. It had been like three years and I was like, huh, (laughs) because I think up to that point, all the other, you know, the understudies on Broadway were all of color or, you know, so I just think it just was such a funny, I was like, oh, right. Hmm. This technically is like a white man's story, but I have like, and now it's like completely, history has rewritten itself in my mind because of the show. Whoa. Yeah. So funny. That's a strong statement. Mm -hmm. Right? Wow. Just because they cast the best person for the role. Colored, that's what it was. And that, you know, Lynn, Lynn and Tommy and all, you know, the creatives behind the show got asked that question all the time. Like, why? Like, why did you, like, why? And it wasn't like, they didn't actively seek out casting people of color for the show. They gave the roles to the people that deserved it best. Yes. Because it didn't matter who was telling it. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Were the, were the lights up enough in the audience for you to see Jay-Z and Beyonce watching you perform? Oh, well, that, yeah. Did you oh, freak? Yeah. I would freak uh, out. Oh, I would have. So here's the thing. Oh, of course, I, the President of the United States, too, but Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, so, I mean, truly name, this is so sad, name, like, a celebrity in the past four years, dead and, unfortunately, dead or alive, like, you know, Prince was there we, mm. like a month before he died. Prince was at mm. the show. Alan Rickman. It's just like so many unbelievable actors and actresses and musicians and singers and politicians like came yeah. through those doors and you forget. Right. Like I think at first you hear that they're there and you're like, oh, crazy. And then the show starts and you forget. Yeah. I have never been one to get starstruck. I always like rationalize it in my brain. I'm like, if I were them, what would freak me out? Do you know what I'm saying? Or like, what, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, so I just have always been like, just keep it cool. They're human, you're human. I respect the hell out of their talent. Like what they do is unbelievable. They're like, that is a game changing person right there. That's amazing. And I love meeting them on a very like human level. And I also think because they were coming to the show and they would come backstage and we would meet them all afterwards. I think they they were truly just as like, right. whoa, oh, as totally. we were, which in is awe. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the Richard Rogers in New York is really, um, it's not deep. So it's really, so the audience is really smushed towards the stage. Like the front row, their chins are on the stage. Like you, so the light from the stage, you can see, and I have crazy eyesight, so I can see the last row of the balcony. Whoa. So whoever was there, even if we weren't told that they were there, they were usually within the first 10 rows. So um, you could always kind of see who was there. And like, luckily enough, I was usually lurking in the shadow. So I would always be like <laughs> checking in and be like, are they into it? Can't tell. I think they're into it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... Oprah, Katy oh, Perry. Stop it. Oh yeah, like you, truly. That's his number one. Truly, uh. yeah. Monica Lewinsky, yes, girl. <laughs> I was actually living for Monica. I was totally here for it. Everyone was like, Monica Lewinsky's here. I was like, yes. <laughs> that, well, why? Because uh, she's iconic for the craziest she thing. Is like that is crazy Which, to actually meet. You know what I'm saying? When, yeah. when like I would say, not even months before that, like the Clintons had also been there. So it's right. just like such a, it just was like, wow. which nuts. by the way, my brother this weekend went to see To Kill a Mockingbird, which is incredible. Ugh. I saw it last month, but um, Bill and Hillary were right behind him. Oh, they're like huge. I think she went down to Puerto Rico like two months ago when the show was down there. They're, hu- I mean, they're wow. huge fans, but um, I think the only, truly the only, the only person that I actually like wept was when Obama came. Like wept because that's just that's Huge. like a game changing. Yes. But like we had to, they had to do background checks on all of us. They had to like wow. completely shut down the theater. They had to like do full searches. Like all of Times Square was shut down. Everyone in the audience had to go through a metal detector. It was like wow. all of the guns that are used in the show had to be like vetted by the Secret Service. Like it was a huge. It was sure. it was crazy. Yeah. Um, because you know Michelle had gone downtown and so he came with the girls. It was insane. It, like, they bring the house lights down for the start of the show, and then they sneak him in. But it was like, sneak him in. The entire audience was, like, up on their feet, like, full standing ovation. Like, wow. And I just remember standing in the wings waiting to go on, and just, like, tears were just, like, oh. rolling down my face. I was I like, cannot imagine. this is crazy. And then began, like, the most ridiculous relationship with the Obamas that I've, like, 
he came with the girls and then Michelle came again after that. And then he, they, the DNC bought out an entire performance. And so we did an entire performance for the entire DNC. And then he came on stage after and gave a speech to the DNC. Mm-hmm. So we got to like sit in the wings mm. while he gave a speech. And then to top it all off, they invited us, the entire cast to the white house to do like a private Salt. concert version of the show. But like when we met them that day, they greeted each of us by our first names. Stop. Dead. Stop. I was like, hi, Michelle. <laughs> oh, they are. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to call you Madam First Lady, but like you're Michelle. You're family now, I think. I think I can call you by your first name. I was that like, hey, Barack, what's up? So incredible. <laughs> but they're, I mean, you know, so that was, that was really, and Prince, obviously. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to meet him, but I saw him. Why the, why the tears for Barack? Because he was, you know, he was on his way out. It was like nearing the end of his second term. And I think, and I also just think like to be in the same room with that energy Mm. in solely, I'm speaking for myself, just like someone who I feel has like changed the game in such a crazy way. I think it was like a humbling experience more Mm. than anything. I think I just was like, holy cow. Because, you know, going to any sort of live event when you are the president is not an easy feat. So the fact that, like, going through all of the rigmarole for him to be there and to bring the girls was just like, whoa. Okay, maybe we're, like, on to something here. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he came back backstage at intermission and, like, hung out with all of us, like, Mm -hmm. because he didn't really have anywhere to go. So they're like, we'll just bring him back and you guys can meet him and take pictures with him then because after the show, he has to be the first person to leave before the audience can leave. And so they're like, if, if you guys want to meet him, like he has to come back at intermission. And we were like, right. I was like, "Mm, let me check my schedule. (laughs) I cannot imagine. But I just, it just was, I just think I was so, oh, that, I mean, that family, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same reaction that, so I just, I started, I say reading, but listening to Becoming, I bought the book and was started reading it. And then I heard that she reads the autobiography yes. or she reads it. And so I was like, oh, forget this. Like chuck <laughs> the book over my shoulder. To me. <laughs> and the second I hit play and I heard her voice, I was like on the treadmill at the gym. I just almost fell off the treadmill and mm. was, I was crying just hearing her voice again. I mean, it's, it happened. It was the same thing that happened at the Grammys two weekends ago. Yeah. She like opened her mouth to start talking cool. and she got a standing ovation. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she had to quiet the audience, but it's just like, they have this like magnanimous mm-hmm. like energy and they were just so much a part of, of the Hamilton experience for me. There's this uh, phrase we use a lot in therapy type circles, mm-hmm. which is the space I work in the emotional wellness space. And yeah. And it's when someone really admires a quality about someone, mm-hmm. um, usually there's a mirror moment there. It's yeah. just called spot it, you got it. Yeah. And so I, if I were describing my experience in sitting with you, mm-hmm. it would be exactly what you said about Michelle Obama. Uh, what? Mm. You made me blush. I am blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it. He sees you. It's the oh, truth. Thank you. Special. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And oh, magnetic. No. Yes. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Truly in this life. Whatever it is, it's working. I'm just following that happiness. That's really, Mm. I think I I got that from my parents. And I think, um, so my parents met. This is a crazy story. I mean, there are so many crazy stories. My parents are insane. But they met (laughs) and my, they both wanted to go into the Peace Corps. And when you go into the Peace Corps, unless you're married, you'll usually get separated. They can't guarantee that they will keep a couple together unless you're married. And so they were kind of like, well, let's just get married. And then when we come back, if it's not working, we'll just get divorced. And like 40 plus years later, they're still together. Wow. Yeah. How long had they been dating when they did that? I want to say just like not very long. Less, I'd say less than three years. Wow. Yeah. But it just was very much like, we really want to do this. We want to experience this together. Mm. Um, Yeah. And so they went to Ecuador for like three years. Wow. Yeah. The Obamas Mm -hmm. have taken their gifts, mm-hmm. which you so eloquently described some yeah. of, and used them quite well, mm-hmm. and still are, for social impact and just yeah. doing good in the world. Mm-hmm. And hearing me earlier say, uh, I see that. Yeah. I see you having this mm-hmm. just gift well beyond what you're doing even professionally now. And I don't even know what else you do, but how do you see yourself using your gifts uh, for good in the world? Oh, man. There's two sides of it where the fact that you have asked me that question is like truly a humbling 
moment because I don't think I ever, like little Emmy standing on a coffee table, I don't think I ever set out to like, in my wildest dreams, I don't think I would ever have been, thought that I would be in a position to have an active impact on someone's life or, mm. or that what I was doing would reverberate within someone or, or, um, or, you know, have like a lasting impression. I think, um, I think I purely kind of set out to find my happiness and to find what fulfilled me. And I think, honestly, I think living, living my life that way and leading my life, striving to find that, that is, I think what I try to put out the most that it can sound so cliche and or impossible or, um, you know, difficult or, you know, but I, I think I have truly tried to lead my life by doing what makes me happy. And when it stops making me happy, I don't do it anymore. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest examples I have in my life is, and this isn't coming from a place of being unhappy, but I, so I left Hamilton after nine months. I left, um, I left the show before the Tonys. I left, um, and I was the first person to leave the cast. And, you know, so many of my friends were like, that's crazy. Like, you're in the biggest show that's ever happened potentially in our, like, for our generation. And, you know, the one after and the one before. Like, why, why are you leaving? And I left because I had been a part of another show for, a, like, a couple years before Hamilton had come about. And that show was kind of have, getting ready to take its moment and, like, head to Broadway. And, like, you know, I was, I had, like, a feature and, like, the role that I had been doing in the show had, like, gotten bigger and bigger and bigger the more that I had done it. And so I was kind of finding my own voice and kind of taking a step out of the ensemble and kind of, you know... I was just like, oh, this is a new experience for me. This is something that I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to head down a new road and be, be challenged in a different way. People didn't understand that, but I think I, in that moment, was just following my curiosity and following my next step to happiness. It had nothing to do with not being happy yeah. in Hamilton or, or being a part of that cast or doing mm -hmm. that show every night. It just was like, there's, there is another, there's another road over here that has like a completely different experience that's going to yeah. fill me in a completely different way. Yeah. And I have to figure out and find out what that is. Mm -hmm. But I also think I voiced that so clearly to, I, you know, I wrote an email to Lynn and Andy, the choreographer, and Lack, the, the music coordinator and orchestrator, and to Tommy, the director, and was like, please don't think that I don't want to be a part of this show, but you, I hope that you know that I am, I'm following my heart. Mm -hmm. And they all understood that so much that I then went back to the show two more times after that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was never like, oh, she doesn't want to be a part of this. It just yeah. was like, we see you. You, as an artist, that is so important. So yeah. go do that. Mm. And like, you will always have a place here. And then, mm. you know, within a year, they had asked me to go do the show because I was already in Chicago. They're like, hey, you're in Chicago. Your show just finished. Do you want to stay in Chicago and do Hamilton in Chicago? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I think it's just, um, I've just tried so hard to lead with with that. And I know it's not the easiest thing. And and yeah. for sure, I was waiting tables and and never thinking I would I would, you know, get a, get another job or get, get another, you know, artistic experience that would fill me the way that I want. But I also think that that is why I'm always still hungry for more because I think, um, and it's the reason I have a hard time sitting still because I just think there is so much. And I think it's also because I've traveled so extensively in my life. I just, there is so much out there to experience mm -hmm. and there's, you never know in what shape or form happiness is going to come. And so I think I'm just always kind of chasing the thing that feels right. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you're like, whoop, that was a mistake. But like, okay, cool. Like yeah. I'm not, no skin off my back. That yeah. was still a crazy experience. Yes. And like now I can talk about it and for the good reasons and for the bad or whatever mm -hmm. it is and, and grow from it and learn from it and also know that like, yeah, I don't need to do that again. Cool. That's so the right. next time I'm like, intrigued by a similar scenario it's like you did that already didn't yeah. it wasn't what you wanted so Didn't like fit. you know what I mean yeah so I think uh, I don't know if that answers your question it at does. all Love it's it. beautiful I, it reminds me of Glenn and always Glenn and Doyle talks about when you get quiet and get still just choosing the next best or the next right thing mm -hmm. for you yeah and yeah. that could be totally different but oh like, yeah I always attribute it like I'm when I'm trying to make a choice or decision, because we always have the answers inside of us. Mm -hmm. And when I get really still, I'm like, what makes me feel like I go, I'm going towards the light? Yeah. Does my, my gut, my intuition, does it feel like I'm going towards light? Yeah. And, and if I do, then I'm like, that's it. And it might not make any sense. Oh, absolutely. Whatsoever. Yep. But I'm like, 
that's what my intuition and my gut says, so I'm going to follow yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like the, the big part of why we're doing this is that to help uh, a lot of young people, kids um, that look up to people like you, uh, don't get the opportunity to see the person behind the profession. Mm-hmm. And I love that you answered it that way because you could have said, well, I'm going to do these 10 things professionally and that's how I'm going to get back to the world. You were like, no, I'm going to live my life this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's how I hope the world can benefit from me being in it. And I think they will. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. I, I it's interesting you say that because I... I am very list oriented. You know, I love a grocery list. I love a, <laughs> I love a task love scratching list. Scratching things off. Yeah, but I've never, you know, I've I, some people have that five year, ten year plan, and I just, I've never been one to, to put that sort of expectation mm-hmm. on myself because mm-hmm. I think, one, it's not fair, and yeah. two, life will throw you the craziest oh curveballs. And then you find yourself in a tricky place of like trying to get back on whatever track that it was that you were trying to be on. And I find and feel like sometimes that can lead to like, you know, the craziest, like self-destructive kind of, mm-hmm. I've fallen off this thing and I have to do whatever it's going to take to get back as opposed to just like, oh, that was a crazy curveball. Now I'm over here. What's over here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's as right. opposed to like, I don't care what's over here. I have to get back there. Right. And so I just always take it as it comes. I kind of, I try not to put any expectations on truly tomorrow, truly 20 minutes from now. Do you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, I'm, I really, I really try to live in the moments and, and like, I never, (laughs) I'm so bad with like taking pictures when I'm doing things because I get so caught up in like being in it. And then like a week later, I'm like, I have no pictures of that night (laughs) and getting so mad at myself. And then I'll be like, okay, next time I'm going to take more pictures. And then there'll be like the first three minutes I took pictures and then yeah. like the next week, it, you know, it's just yeah. like, I, I, just it, which there. is good. I it's yeah. just, I think that's so important to just kind of let, you know, always have things that you're striving towards and things that excite you and things that you're like, that would be cool. I'd love to do that one day. But I just mm-hmm. think like it gets tricky when you, you get so stuck to, to a list or, or a, or a regimen of, of some sort of expectation on your life. Yeah, that you're missing right now. Yeah, because you're missing, you're looking at this list and you're looking at 10 years as opposed to 10 minutes. And yeah. I just think you're missing out on, yes. you know, every breath is, is a gift. Yes. And I think every moment is a gift. And yeah. when you're so focused on what's going to happen, you're missing what's happening. That's right. Well, based on what you know now, little Emmy on the box. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, which my parents are this is actually funny when my parents are actually moving out here now that I like live live out here my dad's actually from Pasadena so I have a ton of family in Sacramento and um they're moving and they're like do you want anything in this house like they're getting rid of everything and I was like that box like the box it's the only thing and it has all it's like it's like this size and it has all of their records in it and I was like just put that on the truck that's all I want (laughs) I like I don't like any of like my child it's like bring what you want I don't you know I'm sure my mom will bring boxes of photos (laughs) but you know I don't need baby clothes or you know science fair projects I'm just like just bring that box the Mm. like coffee table and all the records inside that's all I want If if you could give her one message based on what you know now um, or for all the little Emmys out there standing on boxes right now, what would you say to her? I'd say keep going. Keep going, girl. Like that, that, that's the beauty of being a child is you have, there's like this wild spirit. My parents never tried to shush it or dim the light or yeah. dim, dim the wild. Like I was crazy. They were like, <laughs> we're going to just stop giving her candy. And then like, <laughs> but other than that, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> and I just think... Um, we are growing up and we're, you know, you grow up and, and try to like, to, it gets stifled and, or yeah. quieted or, yeah. um, and you run into people that tell you you can't or you shouldn't or you never will or mm-hmm. any of that. And I just think you are not born with fear. You are not born with hate. Those are things That's you right. pick up on, yep. on your journey, mostly from an outside source. And I think um, if you can try, do everything you can to keep, keep that hate and fear of who you are out and it's hard I still struggle with it I have you know insecurities and and all of those things and and thinking you know oh my god my laugh is so loud and oh my god I'm so ridiculous and I'm so extra and I'm just, just all of those things you deal with all of those things but mm-hmm. I think I am doing what I'm doing and I am who I am because I I, I refuse to change that part of me mm-hmm. um and anytime yes. I would meet someone who would 
I was like, you know what? I don't actually need you in your life yeah. because you're, I do something. There's something in me that you're embarrassed about and I'm not mm-hmm. here for that. I'm not yeah. here to spend Those any time with you. People. Yeah. Well yeah. said. I love that this was such so yeah. much. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you. Oh, of course. Are you kidding? You this is so, so good. I feel much. like I talked the whole time. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't ask you guys a lo- single question. Sister, we're here to learn about you. This was perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Speaking of, so, you, you told us all about the show that you're working on in the beginning. Can you tell us the name of it? And- oh, yeah. It's called The Umbrella Academy. It's yeah. uh, streaming now on Netflix. Yes. Which is so crazy. So if you uh, like, you know, super dysfunctional crime fighting superhero families, it's sign uh, me up. Well, no, let me right say this. If you like what you just heard, <laughs> then sign up for this thing yes. because you're in it. Yeah. Oh my God. Looking like a true Beyonce. You are a queen. <laughs> oh my God. The wig. The wig. I love well, it. Listen, I'm, I'm two months away from uh, being a dad to a daughter. Oh man, it's so great. And I'm so excited because I just think it's a good time to raise a baby girl in, oh, yeah. in today's climate. But I just want to say to you, my impression from spending an hour with you is that I hope she picks a role model to look up to like you. Oh, oh my, you're going to make me cry. Oh. With the zingers, this one. <laughs> <laughs> All the zingers. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, she you. is so lucky. Lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. Truly. Oh, thank you so much, of course. sister. What a Thanks, friends. treat. We are so grateful. Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone, take off your mask. It's nice to me. Thank y'all so much for being with us today. We know your time is valuable, so it truly means the world to us that you would spend your time and energy with us. And thank you for being willing and open to walk right into the tension of saying the unsaid. The music from our podcast is from one of my favorite bands, Oliver Riot, and this song is called Alcatraz from their EP, Hallucinate. I cannot speak highly enough about these musicians and friends. Check out their beautiful music on Spotify and online. And a huge thank you to Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio who edit and mix the show. If you want to learn more about The Unspoken Podcast, please go to theunspokenpodcast.com for show notes and more information about the guest. And feel free to follow us on Instagram as well at The Unspoken Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe to keep getting more inspiring conversations with incredible people delivered straight to you. And for those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, please consider supporting the show by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We can't wait to share with you all of the upcoming conversations with some really special people. And we hope these fill you with the hope that we might all find connection, healing, courage, and the strength to leave no important words unspoken.